Father, we just come to you, Father, this morning. We just want to thank you, Lord. New day, new working week for all your people, Lord. All your children everywhere. We commit ourselves into thy hands, Father. As we come to the ministry of the word, I pray, Father. It will achieve its purpose. You have your eternal purpose, Lord. And I pray it will be done in each one of our lives. Teach us, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we come back to the book of Revelation, chapter 1, first verse 3, and then 5 and 6. Today is on verse 6. Blessed is he. Okay, this is like the preamble to the Constitution. (laughs) Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Meaning even when we are reading, you know, there are a lot of people who read but don't hear while they are reading. They don't they don't focus. It's more like a daily devotion. You know, daily devotion. Like uh, a religious person. Like the the Lord's Prayer has become. It has become just a devotional prayer. And they pray it all the time. But they don't even focus on what they are saying. And we blame the Hindus for reciting their mantras every morning. But we do the same thing. And that's what God's saying. You know, when you read the word of God, especially this book, he says, when you read it, hear the words of the prophecy. It's prophetic. It's something that is absolutely unlike the prophecies of man. This is 100%. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. So, blessed is he who reads. Those who hears as we read this book, we hear the words of prophecy, the prophetic part, and keep those things which are written in the reason the time is near. Now we saw verse 5, and today we will look at verse 6, okay, verse 5. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. On Friday we had looked at the blood of Jesus, what it does, it redeems us. We have the remission of our sins because of his blood. We have reconciliation back with God. We are reconciled back with God because of the blood. And not only that, the blood is given to us for our daily cleansing. Okay? And then it gives us our protection against the accuser. In Revelation 12, he's called the accuser of the brethren who accuses the brethren day and night before God. What's our protection before all the accusation? It is the blood. So the Bible says the, they overcame him, the devil, the accuser. How did they overcome him? By the blood of the lamb. And that blood speaks for us. Now, we go to Revelation 1.6. He did all this for what? What did he do all this for? What is the purpose behind redemption? God has a purpose. We can be redeemed. And miss out the purpose of his redemption in eternity. This is the danger Christians are caught in. He redeemed us. But when we he redeemed us, there was a purpose behind it all. Right? Everything behind everything, there is a purpose. Okay, There is a purpose behind it. Sometimes we don't understand the purpose. 
and we go through life without understanding the purpose and towards the end of our life we we die and then when we are resurrected the bible says many will be raised up to shame because they never understood purpose so god sent his only son the son did all this and what was the purpose of redemption the purpose of redemption is this he has made us kings and priests to his god and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever this was the purpose this is the whole purpose this is the eternal purpose okay that we would rule on his behalf and we would serve him alone it was the purpose we see this was the original purpose when we go to genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 when adam and eve were created okay so we need to understand um there is blessing okay like let's put it in terms which we understand okay you work for let us say 30 days how many hours whatever that you work you work in an institution wherever private government whatever you get a salary okay so why did you get a salary because you worked but when you get this salary the question is what will you do with it what is the purpose of that money what is the purpose of that money what are you going to do that okay you worked you got money now what are you going to do with money and this is where a lot of people mess up because they do not know what is the purpose of money how should i spend it what should it spend on so god blesses them there's a blessing that is pronounced over them be fruitful multiply and fill and what subdue exercise dominion rule on my behalf he saying okay so this was the purpose adam and eve were were created to become kings and priests on his behalf the entire race that was what was primarily lost with the fall we know sin what what did sin do to man he lost his purpose he lost his way he lost his dominion he lost his capacity to rule on god's behalf and his capacity to serve god okay but man was deceived man was deceived the initial desire is still there but now through deception man ends by serving satan serving satan okay he he ends by serving satan and in so many ways people do not realize this they end by serving satan and they exercise dominion over man which was not god's intention instead of serving man they end by exercising dominion over man serving satan they end up being priests of satan okay so we will see this is what because you cannot escape purpose everybody even even the ones who are sitting are positionally the adamic blessing is purpose is standing there you are called to reign and called to serve as a priest okay so you cannot escape it if you are not reigning on behalf of god and serving him you are reigning on behalf of satan and acting as a priest of satan there's no way there's no way you can escape this okay and you will see this this is what sin does to us so we need to understand the purpose of redemption in genesis 4:6 okay 
Genesis 4, 6. This is what God is saying to the second generation. Eh? 6 and 7. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Now you know why it is what's happening. They were actually two young men, two brothers were coming and acting, functioning as priests. One's priesthood was accepted, the other's priesthood was rejected. And the priesthood of the one who was rejected, look at what God tells him in verse 7. If you do well, you will, you, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, you should rule over it. So there is something that has been told to man post uh, post fall. You need to exercise dominion over something. Dominion over something. What you need to exercise dominion over is you need to exercise dominion over sin. If you do not exercise dominion over sin, you cannot function as a priest. Cannot function as a priest. You cannot function as my friend. Satan will accept you as a priest because you do. He does not want you to have dominion over sin. He wants sin to have dominion over you so that you can serve him. This is how it how it turns out. And in the process, what happens? You will not serve your brother. You will end up by dominating your brother. So in verse 9, you will see what happens in verse 9. Then God said, there is Abel, your brother. He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Okay. That was what man was supposed to be. Exercise dominion over all the creatures of the earth and be your brother's keeper. Instead, because of sin, what happens? He refuses to be his brother's keeper. Instead, what happens? He kills his brother. He kills his brother. Okay, he kills his brother. So we need to understand how God's original purpose fails. And by the time you come to Genesis chapter 10 and verses 8 to 10, Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 to 10. Now, it talks about Cush. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. This is the first time the word king or kingdom is used in the Bible. So this is the beginning of Babylon. Beginning of Babylon. Remember, Noah had three sons. Right? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Right? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the one who is cursed, or rather, Canaan, his son, is the one who is cursed. So you have Ham, you have Canaan, you have Cush, and you have Nimrod. Nimrod is the fourth generation. By the time you come to Nimrod, iniquity has reached a peak, and we have the beginning of Babylon, the kingdom. The beginning of Babylon, the kingdom, the first time the word, every time something is important words are mentioned first, you have to be careful. So this is the beginning of Babylon and you are reaching the zenith of Babylon. So these are not history for us, these are facts. We are seeing the zenith of Babylon reaching that point where Babylon will control and dominate over every man. 
and they're putting the agenda into place and they're talking it openly. They talk about one world order where one set of people will dominate over the whole human population. And we saw, like I said, 19, 20, 19, 20 was the beginning when we had the pandemic and the pandemic was used as an exercise how we can perfect the art of controlling people. And we saw even on our streets, nobody knew. And the the, the, the way the force was used, there was police and latijars and firing and all kind of things that happened in our own cities. That people were so scared, they wouldn't step out of their houses. And then there was this vaccination program that was all kind of... So you see, this is what we call the end of Babylon. Babylon will rise. And there is a person who is mentioned over there, and his name is Nimrod. So this is where it all begins, the beginning of kings and kingdoms on this world, in opposition to Christ and his kingdom. So what you see in Genesis chapter 11, we don't have to go there, Genesis chapter 11 is the call of one man from that area, to separate and come out, and the call of Abraham. Okay? The call of Abraham, in the call of Abraham, is the call of redemption and the restoration of God's original purpose. That in eternity, God would have a set-apart people who would become his kings and his priests forever. So you have Abraham, and a covenant is made, then you have Isaac, then you have Jacob, and then 400 years later, you have Israel. You have Israel. But the problem with Israel is, Israel are not free. Israel, The Israelites are captives, they are slaves in Egypt. So Moses and Aaron, if you go to Exodus 7 and 1, you will see these types, Moses and Aaron. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. The Pharaoh is the opposing king. He says, you know what? You will stand before Pharaoh like a king. And Aaron will be your priest. So there is a restoration that was taking place. God's, sorry, God's original plan of uh, restoring uh, Israel back to his original plan. And you have a type there of a king and a priest. And they are standing before, we know, Pharaoh, that is the king, and the sorcerers who are his priests. Okay, they are priests. Okay, so one is standing there in the power of God, the other is standing there in the power of witchcraft, and there is a, there is a, there is a struggle that takes place, and ultimately we will see the power of God will prevail, and they are helpless. So if you come to Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, you know, 5 1, and afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And verse 3 also. Okay, And they said, The God of Hebrews has met us, met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. And if you come to verse 8 and verse 1, 8 and word 8, 1, the Lord, go to the Pharaoh and say, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. So when Moses and Aaron speaks to the Pharaoh, he's putting God's 
idea or his agenda for Israel. They shall worship me and they shall serve me. That's what priests do. They shall worship me and they shall serve me. And we know the story how we took ten plagues and the, the destroyer passing through before Israel. Now you come to Genesis chapter 19 and we will go to verse 3 to 6. Now these people are brought out and they are in the wilderness. 19. Exodus, so not Genesis, sorry, Exodus 19 verses 3 to 6. Okay, 19, 3 to 6. Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will heed, indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And in verse 6, he puts, brings back, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So God puts across. He said, this is my, why were you redeemed out of Egypt? What is the purpose of your redemption? The purpose of redemption is that among all the earth is mine, meaning all the peoples of the earth are mine. But you alone I have separated, carried you on eagle's wings, brought you to myself for this purpose. What is the purpose? You shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The purpose of redemption has never changed. It was always the same. If you go to First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, you see the same thing. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You are a chosen generation. The whole earth is his. But he has chosen a set of people. They were slaves. We were also slaves. They were slaves to Pharaoh. We were slaves to sin. Okay, he has chosen the foolish, the ignoble, the weak things of the earth. You are a chosen generation. But what are you? A royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. His own special people. For what? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay, now we go back to Genesis, sorry, Exodus 19 and verse There was two primary conditions by which they could fulfill God's purpose. If you want to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, this is the purpose. First one, you have to obey my voice. Second, you have to keep my covenant. Two conditions. So the book of Revelation will talk about those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Blessed are those who read, those who hear. And those who obey. Okay, obey what? Obey the new covenant. Okay, and that's what Jesus gives it on that day. This is the blood of my new covenant that is shed. So there is a new covenant as opposed to the old covenant. The old covenant is the letter of the law. The new covenant is the spirit of the law. Okay, which the spirit reveals. But we know what happened to Israel. All this they said, yeah, yeah, and all that. And then when Moses went out of the picture, Moses went out of the picture, we know. They went into idolatry. They created the golden calf. They literally, their entire episode is described in three words. They sat down to eat, to drink, and then rose up to play. 
that was. So you come to Exodus chapter 32 and verse 26 to 29. I'm just recapping things which we know, but there are a lot of people who, who are listening who do not know the history behind priesthood. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp. He came down and he's standing at the entrance and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. It's the call that still goes. Whoever is, now he is talking to, not to the world. Please remember, he's talking to Israel. So God is not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. There are many following Jesus who believed in him and following him. Then he turns and he says, whoever wants to become a disciple. These are the called out people to whom God is saying. He's not telling to the world. He's not telling anything to the world. But those who have heard him, believed in him, and are following him. These are believers. Okay, in the new covenant. The old covenant, he's speaking, Moses is speaking to Israel, a people who came out of Egypt, who were under the blood of the Passover lamb, came out, crossed the Red Sea, who have been baptized, who have gone through it all, and now come here. To them he's saying, whoever is on the Lord's side, meaning in in life, as we go through, when we go through very real testing times, everybody is not on the Lord's side. Everybody is not on the Lord's side. Okay, So when this crucial period came, and when Moses stands there and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me, and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. Now you need to understand, that is how the separation is going to take place. Out of twelve tribes, one tribe separated unto 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 Moses. They came to who he said, but they came together to him. We need to realize this same thing happens sometimes. The problem is if I were to say, Whoever is on the Lord said, Come to me, like fifty people may come to me. Of that fifty people, twenty five may be coming to Christ and twenty five may be coming to James. The reason all are not coming to Christ. Otherwise, the Levites wouldn't fall off. Many are coming to Moses because Moses is a Levite. Moses is a Levite. Okay? Moses is a Levite. So the Levites come to him. Okay? So sometimes it is a loyalty which is because of flesh and blood. Okay? <laughs> like my, like my uh, mom <laughs> went to be with the Lord when she used to come to church and... Uh, listen to the messages and all, no? Then my mother and my wife are sitting and discussing the message. Suddenly the, the whole conversation changed. My mother will say, it was my, my son who preached. Okay? And my wife will say, it was my husband who preached. So you know, it is not about suddenly they are, they are joking, but the fact is that they are no longer talking about the word that God spoke through a human vessel. Suddenly it is flesh and blood and loyalty that has come now there, okay? So this is where the danger comes. And the other side of the danger is that the voice can become, the vessel can become so familiar, familiar, become can become familiar that we tend to ignore who is actually speaking, who is actually speaking, mm. no? So we need to realize, okay, these things happen. So, whoever is on my side, come to me. Verse 27. 
He said to them, once those people came, he said, the Levite, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side, go in and out entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion and every man his neighbor. So the call was terrible. It was terrible. See, when he called, they did not know what was going to be demanded. Demanded. But when they heard, then now verse 28 and 29. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourself today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man has opposed his son and his brother. That is how Levitical priesthood, which was meant for everybody, went to one tribe. Same thing Jesus says. If any man loves his father, mother, wife, children, brother, sister, himself also, he cannot be my disciple. So ultimately, looking in the picture of the old covenant and the new covenant, who is the true disciple? He is the one who can actually function as a king and a priest for God on earth. But to be that, you have to be set apart for God. You have to count the cost. That's what Jesus is talking about. Counting the cost. Counting the price. Counting the price. Okay, so this is the same parallel you see in the new covenant. Now here is not, uh, God is not asking anybody to go kill your father and mother. He says, pass a sentence of death in your heart. What if your father is an idolater? What if your mother is an idolater? What if your wife is an idolater? What if your child is an idolater? Somebody who is carnal, who is worldly, who is not very interested. Then what will you do? How will you make your choices when you are pulled between these two? That's a simple thing God is talking about. Remember, priesthood would be, would be challenged and tested. It is not easy to be a king or a priest for God. So the Levites were separated. That was the day the Levitical priesthood was separated. We know primarily, we know that the Levites always came from, from the tribe of Levi. The priesthood always came from the tribe of Levi. But kings primarily came from the tribe of Judah. Though you had kings who were not also from the tribe of Judah, like the first king of Israel was not from the tribe of Judah. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. But primarily kingship was given to the tribe of Judah and priesthood was given to the tribe of Levi. And this was not supposed to be mixed. So whenever a king mixed this both, he was judged. And two kings did it. One was uh, Saul, the other was Uzziah. These two kings tried to become, become both kings and priesthood, okay, and they were judged. Because primarily you were not allowed. But God's original plan is coming back with the redemption. So, Revelation 1.6 says, he has made us. Now this is talking about positional. Okay, this is not talking about functional, he's talking about positional, like I've given this land to you. Is the land there? No, there are Canaanites and Jebusites and Perisites and every site has made their site there and Joshua has to go and fight it. So in the same way God says, positionally, this is what I have made Every child of God, every believer has been made a king and a priest to whom, to his God and Father. 
And remember, glory and dominion is his forever. So that's where it begins or it how restoration will take place. Now we go to the word priest. The first place where the word priest is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 14. And we will read from 18 to 20. And it's a very important portion. Remember, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3 are very important. Then Genesis chapter 14 and 15 are very important. Okay, 12 of course is the blessing of Abraham, the call of Abraham. 15 is where the covenant is made and ratified. 14 is a very important chapter because it is 14 and 15 are actually new covenant chapters in the old covenant. 15 is where the new covenant begins with Abraham. The new covenant, it's not the old covenant that is being made there. It's a new covenant that is being made in Genesis 15. In 14 we see, uh, we see Abraham, right? We see Abraham, war is mentioned first. He comes back after defeating two kings, four kings. So in Genesis chapter 14, Abraham is first proving that he is his brother's keeper. You have to prove that before you can be recognized as a priest and as a king. That is the proof. Because Cain refused to be his brother's keeper. Okay, brother's keeper. Okay, so when Abraham is coming back after winning in victory, there is an encounter. It's a very powerful encounter. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God most high. It's the first time the word priest is mentioned in the Bible. The first time priest is mentioned in the Bible. And if I'm right in Genesis, the word priest is only mentioned twice. First is here. Second time is that Joseph married, but that's a Gentile priest, the Pharaoh's priest's daughter. The next time you will hear the word priest is in the book of Exodus chapter 3 that Moses married the priest of Midian, Jethro, who was the priest of Midian, and he. So the second and the third mention of priests are not Jewish priests. They are Gentile or a half-breed. Jethro might be a half-breed, no, the Midianite from Abraham's line through Keturah. Okay, so, and what did he do? He blessed him. And said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And the Bible says, And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. So this is another thing which you need to realize because a lot of people teach like the tithes was an Old covenant law that it is taken away, but you need to realize the tithe was there 4,000 years ago. Much before the law, because Abraham is the father. Okay, he is the father of faith. And Abraham is the first one who is giving the tithe. He's the first one who introduces this, this concept about tithes. Okay, in Abraham is Israel. In Abraham is all of us. Every believer is in Abraham. And Abraham is giving tithes too. So if you go back from verse 1, the first thing we hear is his name. Okay, verse 18, verse 18, 14, 18. Melchizedek. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Second, 
He's the king of Salem. Salem is the old name of Jerusalem, not the Salem in Tamil Nadu. Okay. It is Shalom, king of Shalom or the king of peace. So you have the priesthood and the kingship coming. So Melchizedek is the king of righteousness. He's the king of peace and he was the priest of God most high. Okay, that's the first time we see, okay? So you have a king, you have a priest, he's a king of righteousness, he's a king of peace, and he's a priest of the most high God. Second thing we see, or third thing we see is, he brought bread and wine. He brought bread and wine. the new covenant, okay? Symbolic. Melchizedek is a type or maybe even Theophany, a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. And Abraham is the appearance of the church. In Abraham is the church. So it's an encounter between Christ and the church. And what does Christ bring forth? He brings forth the bread and the wine. Okay, And Jesus will institute 2,000 years later, many thousands of years later, not 2,000 years later, Jesus will institute that. He says, this is my body. Okay, and the symbol of the body is bread, and this is my blood. The symbol of his body, um, blood is his wine, and he says we need to partake of it. Okay, and as an aside, there's something which we need to understand of the two symbols he gave us and told us to partake of it is the two things which we partake of it so that it becomes part of us is one is bread, and the other is wine. And the problem with bread and wine is that bread comes from wheat that is threshed and it is powdered. And wine comes from grape which is crushed. That is the new man. His old man is powdered and he is crushed. Then only you can partake of the life of Jesus Christ. Otherwise it will not happen. And that is our constant battle against the work of God. Because he is trying to crush the old man, powder him and trample upon the grapes. And he blessed Abraham and Abraham gave. So this is a very, very powerful prophetic encounter that takes place. Now if you fast forward to Galatians chapter 3.14, 3.26 and 29. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay? And come to verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, so if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. And what does the promise make us? By virtue of being Abraham's seed and the promise, we become, come back to that, we become a kingdom of priests. We become priests and kings to the eternal God. This is how God is written. That's why, see, most people do not know the purpose of redemption. They're just floating like cork in water. Floating around. Because you do not know the purpose. What's my purpose? Now I am saying, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to function as? It doesn't matter what job you do on earth. Your function in the kingdom does not change. The function is that you operate under God as a king and as a priest. Okay? So in the old covenant, for the Levites to understand how they should function, an entire book was gone, given. It was called the book of Leviticus. The 
new covenant parallel is the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is the Leviticus of the new covenant. Okay. So king, kingship is with dominion, with ruling. Priesthood is with serving. But both are serving God. Okay. So please understand. The entire purpose of the redemption, redemptive work of Jesus Christ is so that God would have a set of people, kings and priests, both. You cannot separate that, both. And the entire purpose of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is to prepare us for that purpose. In eternity, God will have them. If you go to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 3 and 5. Revelation 22 chapter 3. That's the last chapter in the Bible. There shall be no more curse, for the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. So they are the priests who serve him. And verse 5, there shall be no light there. They need no lamp, nor the light of the sun, for the God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So in eternity, not all the redeemed, but God will have a set of people who understood the purpose of redemption and went through that process of eternally being, becoming priests and kings forever. So now let's go to the book of Hebrews, which is the Leviticus of the New Covenant, so that we understand the pattern. Okay, pattern. Hebrews chapter 7, 1 to 3, then 11 to 17. For this Melchizedek, now Melchizedek comes back in the book of Hebrews. This Melchizedek, king of Salem, let's read it as king of peace, Priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So we didn't know these kings were slaughtered, but now we know the kings were slaughtered. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated, king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Okay, so Jesus does not have a beginning. Okay, Jesus does not have a beginning because he's eternal. He's made like the Son of God. He remains a priest forever. Forever. So we understand, what was the purpose of Melchizedek? He was just a type of Jesus Christ who would come. And Jesus has come. And now if you go to verse 11 to 17. Okay. Verse 11. Therefore, the purpose of the Levitical priesthood. Therefore, a perfection were through the Levitical priesthood. For under it, people received the law. What further need was for their another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not to be called according to the order of Aaron. So God has a purpose. What is God's purpose? It's perfection. Remember in Hebrews chapter 6, Paul will say, leaving the elementary principles, let us go towards perfection. Why? Because the priest will be perfect. The king will be made perfect. Because you need to read, this is what you need to understand, types in the Bible. When the sons of Judah were all taken as captives and brought, there were a set of them who had to have seven qualities before they could stand before the king of Babylon and serve him. And one of them they had should have no blemish. 
seven. And these seven first with these qualities were separated. Then they were put into three years of rigorous training. At the end of three years, they were tested rigorously and some were set apart to serve the king of Babylon. And this is a king of the earth. And we think the king of heaven will randomly pick anybody who comes over there. God says, no, you will be all in eternity, everyone who got saved. But those who will serve with me as priests and king, they will go through the rigors on earth and they will understand and they will understand why I am going through it and they have no issues. They will realize the reward is eternal. The purpose is eternal. It is forever and ever. Like we push our children to do certain academic things because, because there is, what is there? One, there is glory in it. There is glory in it. All glory is not the same. Even if the degree is the same, all glory, like engineering, you know, which, why you are an engineer? One of the engineer will ask an engineer, which college did you study? Because the college immediately makes a difference. Okay, oh, oh, you're from IIT. Okay, IIT. Which IIT? Because all the IITs are not graded the same way. Originally, there were only four or five IITs. Now, there are plenty of IIT Hyderabad is also there. Oh, IIT Hyderabad, okay. But IIT Kanpur, IIT Kharagpur, IIT Mumbai, IIT Delhi. These are different IITs because this is where the old one structure has been established. They have decades of a system. These are new IIT. IIT Gohati is there. Okay, though they all the names are the same, the glory is not the same. That is why saints will differ in glory. Saints, like if you take, let us take, uh, government of India. Okay, government of India. If you get a letter from the government of India from any department, it will be stampage will be free on it will be written three letters, IGS. Indian Government Service. Okay? So Indian Government Service, see, not Prime Minister Modi. He's an elected representative. The highest ranking Indian government person is called the Cabinet Secretary in Delhi. The lowest one is the peon. But technically, they are all government service servants. They are all government service. The peon is a government servant. The Cabinet Secretary is also a government servant. Right? So in the kingdom, when we enter, everybody will be a government servant. Everybody will be a government servant. Everybody has a government job. Okay? No private enterprise, nothing. Everybody has a government job. But there will be some who will be kings, some will be peons. Better to be a peon in heaven than to be a king in hell. Okay? Okay. So we are not trying to run. But you need to realize, okay, so... It's talking about something, okay? So there was a change in priesthood. Now we come to words, uh, 12 onwards. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of law. So when the priesthood changed, the law also changed. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar. Okay? No Buddy from Judah has officiated at the altar because everyone who officiated at the altar had to be from the tribe of Levi. So when priesthood changed, law is also gone. And then, for it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. And yet it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises 
another priest who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment but according to the power of an endless life for he testifies god testifies you are a priest for ever according to the order of melchizedek because we need to understand because we need to realize god is there god is there Okay, God is there. There is God at the top. You know, Revelation one six said, "Now we have been made kings and priests, and glory and as unto His God, to whom belongs glory and dominion for ever." So we know at the end, after all the enemies have been put under His feet, finally, death is also thrown into the grave. Okay, into the lake of fire. Then Jesus handles. What does He do? Hands the kingdom to the Father. So at the top, there is God. and jesus is the king of kings and the high priest okay understand what eternity will be like eternity is god is there at the top at the top there is god that's what you see in revelation 21 god is there at the top so who is jesus jesus is the king of kings remember in 19 he has the title is the king of kings if he is the king of kings then who are the kings the kings are the overcomers okay and he is the high priest if he is the high priest who are the priests okay so he has made us he has positionally okay now life post salvation on earth is the training and the testing ground training and testing ground okay that is why paul is saying i have i have succeeded i got distinction because i know what will i receive the crown of righteousness remember what is what is the king's rule supposed to bring forth righteousness he says i will receive the crown of righteousness because i understood the purpose and have worked it out in my life in dominion okay so that's what he is talking about so this is the beginning of the new covenant Jesus is the king of kings he is the king of peace and is priest for ever okay so pattern is set why we need this because we look at revelation 16 he has made you kings and priests and we need to ask ourselves now what do i need to do so he is the pattern you look at the high priest right it is like elias the high priest Eli is the high priest if you go to first samuel chapter 3 verse 1 okay eli is the high priest who are we we are all like samuel okay the boy samuel ministered to the lord before eli, eli. so eli here you know to here we are just using an illustration is a type like we are all like little samuel before jesus ministering to the lord we look he is the one who tells us how we should function so he is the pattern god has set before us christ is the pattern okay so before christ can show us the pattern he has to become that pattern that's where the bible will always say look unto jesus look unto jesus look unto jesus the first thing jesus showed us in his life is that he reigned over sin and self okay he reigned over he was tempted at all points it's there in the book of hebrews 4 not 12 13 i think he was tempted at all points yet he did not sin he was tempted at all points it's not 
and he did not sin. So the first thing that he does is that he shows us the way. Hmm? No, 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 not two, two, two. It's four, four, four. It's not two. Yeah, it's four. Hmm? Not four, um, four, thirteen. Uh, four, fourteen. Uh, fifteen, fifteen, fifteen. Four, fifteen. Sixteen is come boldly. 4.15, not 2, 4.15. Hmm? You're still stuck at four, 2, chapter 4. Okay, the first thing he shows us, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with. He sympathizes with us. Okay? But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Meaning, we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, like yesterday somebody, who was that? Yeah. One of that young men who came with Brother Rafat came and said, Pastor, can you give me your favorite words? I said, we are pastors. whole Bible is favorite, you know. But if I were to give you, like to you, a favorite, one of my favorite verses is Second Corinthians 5.17. It's, it's a very powerful verse. We need to understand the meaning and the depth of that verse. Okay? Okay. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. It's a new creation. Old things have all passed away. Okay? What is our old things? It is only sin. Only sin. It has passed away. All things have become new. So it is a fresh, powerful start. So Jesus, unlike us, was born without sin, lived without sin, and became a sin offering. But while he was living on earth, he was tempted at all points. But did not sin. But he knows the power of temptation. Therefore, he sympathizes with us. He knows we do not have the power to resist temptation like him. He knows we will stumble, we will fall. So if you go to Hebrews 4, 15 and then 16, that is the context. He sympathizes with us. Okay, He's not angry with us. He sympathizes. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. This is, now I'm not, I'm stretching my neck out, but this is where the second person of the Trinity differs from the first and the third. Because he came in the flesh. He has an experience. God has knowledge because of who God is. But this experiential knowledge of temptation is only with the son. The father doesn't have that because he never came in the flesh. He has the knowledge of it because he is all knowing. The Holy Spirit, being Holy Spirit, has the knowledge of it. But Jesus has an experiential knowledge of what it is to be tempted. Because if he does not, have that knowledge, he cannot intercede for us. He enters, he is able to stand before God and before man because he as God, he understands. As man, he understands us. He understands the holiness of God by being God, the demands of God. And as a man, he understands the weaknesses of men. Because why? He is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because in all points. Not many. All. Some of us have never been tempted in, can never be tempted in all points. Cannot be tempted in all points. The reason is because some of the temptations will never, even the devil, see devil is a very, very smart person. The reason is because he does not waste time. 
One he knows, all of us have only certain, he doesn't know when each one of us will die. So he has only a limited time to operate on every person. So he doesn't waste temptations on me, on which I have no power to fulfill. Okay? Okay, you need to realize that temptation has no meaning if you do not have the power. Okay, I am tempted to buy a Mercedes Benz. Nonsense, you don't even have money to buy a cycle. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't, you know how much money you have. Where is the temptation? You may look at it, you may long for it and you will forget it. Because you do not have the power. Okay, so Jesus... See, the temptation of Jesus in a twinkling of an eye, an instant, a moment, he showed him all the nations of the earth and their glory. We will never have that temptation. Okay, never. And said, so if you bow, I will give it to you. So the nature of Jesus' temptation is different from ours. So we will never ever be tempted like Jesus is. Okay, so our temptations are all very limited. Though we will say it is too much to bear, it's all nonsense. It's very limited. So we have a high priest who was who was uh, with our way. And also remember the power Jesus has. Because like I said, temptation is equal to power. Okay, If you are the son of God, tell the stones to be turned to bread. So he had the power. We have no power. <laughs> if we had power, every paper in our book we would make into currency notes. <laughs> That's why we have stories of Aladdin and this lamb and rubbing and gin coming and all these stories are because our lust for power because we want. But we don't have. Jesus had. See, if you do not have that power, you cannot be tempted. Jesus said, first temptation, if you are the son of God, turn the stones to bread. You have the power. I know you have the power. He said, no. If you, he said, no, you bow down, I will give it to you. He said, no. He said, jump from, he said, no. He said, no. He said, no. But you need to realize people in the world who have reached so many high positions, various, whether it is politics or entertainment, different. You know why they reached there? Because they, this fellow comes to him. You need to realize this is something which is, this is the foolishness of man. That you are not where you are in this world. You are in the world where the devil has put you. Devil is screening people. Like Babylon screened the people who had brought in as captives. Devil is screening people and he says, okay, this one will become that for me in 10 years time. This one will become that for me. We think people are making choices. No. People are not. They do have the freedom to choices. They do not know they have already been manipulated by the powers of darkness. They're not making choices. They're not making choices. Okay? And there they know. They know. And then there is an exchange of this thing. I will this one, what do you want? I want to be a pop singer with this kind of this thing, fans and this thing. Okay, I will give it to you. I have the power to give it to you. What do you give me? I, I need your soul in return. And you will be my slave. You will do what I tell you to do. I will give you the lyrics. I will give you the crowds. I will give you the fame. I will give you the money. But two things I demand from you. One, I want your soul. Two, you will fulfill my agenda. My agenda. You will fulfill my agenda. That's how the system works. That's how Babylon works. 
That's how Babylon works. So there is a parallel. That's why I'm talking about, you know, the whole idea is not rising up in this world. The whole idea is becoming what God wants you to be. And it can be anything. It can be anything. So there is something that is common about all of God's servants. What is that? It is righteousness. First thing is righteousness. And second thing is holiness. There are two things about God. He is righteous and is holy. And into these two, there are so many subsections. So it doesn't matter in this world. If you are a pune, you should be a pune for God. And what what separates you from other punes? You are righteous and you are holy. It's not your job. It's who you are. Okay. Or you could be a very senior IAS officer. And what separates you? You are righteous, you are holy. That's what the Babylonian kings understood about Daniel. You know, whom your God, whom you serve continuously. Now that could be Daniel, who's a prince, or Joseph, a slave. Same testament. Joseph is a slave. Daniel is a prince. Testimony is the same. So we need to understand. Our whole idea is not to go up in the world. Our whole idea is to be where God wants us. Where God wants us to be. Where God wants us to be, there are so many. That's See, wherever God, wherever you are, where God wants you to be, you always function as a king and a priest. It's irrelevant. What you're, you're always exercising dominion over self, not over others. You're exercising dominion over sin, dominion over self. So when it comes to sin, Jesus was tempted at all points but did not sin. What does it mean? He exercised dominion over sin. Okay, dominion over sin. To exercise dominion over sin, we saw yesterday also. How do you do that? You exercise dominion over flesh. Right? First Peter chapter 4, 1. Since Jesus Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind who has suffered in the flesh as seized from sin. Did you see that? Now you understand why he says, this is my body, I give it to you. His body is his flesh. And what ha- what is that body, the symbol of that body? It is powdered wheat, which has, has to go into the first, it is harvested, brought, threshed, crushed, powdered, then it is mixed, put it in the oven, into the furnace, turned around, and then brought around, and then broken and given. God said, that's how I will make you. That is the process you will go through. Because he who has suffered in the flesh, because everything that we are doing primarily in life is to escape suffering in the flesh. But he who has suffered in the flesh, what has happened? Has ceased from sin. So the first thing Jesus did on earth as a king, according the the line of Melchizedek, change of covenant, what did he do? He exercised dominion over sin. Exercised dominion over sin, over the flesh. He has shown us a way. So if you go, there it says, first thing you need to realize is, if I have to do that, what is the first thing I have to do? You heard yesterday. You need to have a mindset. I'm yourself with the same mind. You need to have a mindset. What is a mindset? The mindset is willing to suffer. Willing to suffer. Okay? Like if you go, 
Sami used to go to the gym. But if you go to the gym, if you want to continue in the gym, first thing you need to really have a mindset to be willing to go through the pains. Because the first day you go, it looks great. Second day you go, your body starts hurting. Every muscle starts hurting. Okay, but if you quit, that is the end of your muscles. Okay, then you go further. Okay, then after that, okay, you have lesser, it's not hurting anymore. And then the trainer comes and increases the weight. You go through the same process again. Why? Because the weight has increased. You thought, okay, first time it hurt and I, I had perseverance, endurance and patience. I've come through. He says, yeah, come through. And then he increases the weight. You see the entire life of a train. This thing is, you're going through and through with the same pain over and over again. And God says, this is first you need to. If you don't want to quit, first have the mindset. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Okay. So when it comes to sin, because we have that flesh, the old nature. The first thing is that you have to arm yourself with the mind of Christ and in the old covenant, the mind of David. David never quit. Never quit. It didn't matter how many times he fell, he scratched, encouraged himself and got up and continued to fight. And he overcame. Ultimately, he finishes by saying he fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. You see, this is the key. The reason many people will not finish well is not because they couldn't finish well. It's not because of the number of times they fell. It's because early in life, they did not have this mindset. They did not have this mindset. See, if you do not have this mindset... Even that fellow who had a very good upbringing, tough father, tough mother, very protective environment, who did not went through hardly sinning, but he never had this mindset. When he set free, boom, he goes. Because when he falls, he never had this mindset, this determination to rise up and continue fighting. Okay, that's where the mindset matters. That's what the Bible is saying. Arm yourself. With what? With the same mind. What is the mind? It is the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? I will never quit. There's no quitting. And his final battle is not on the cross. His final battle is Gethsemane. Because he has come, when he came down from heaven, in Hebrews 10 and verse 7 says, he comes with his mindset. What is his mindset? Behold in the volume of the book it is written about me. To do your will. This is the mindset. Armed with this mindset, I am going to do your will. If I have to do your will, then I have to defeat my flesh. To do your See, it is not overcoming sin. Our sadhus used to go to the Himalaya, sit on tapasya and all. But what is the purpose? Why do you want to overcome your flesh? What is your purpose? They don't know. So when they come down, because they have no purpose, when Apsara comes and dances, the fellow is gone. Because he does not have a a purpose. Okay, But Jesus has got a purpose. Why is he fighting his flesh? I have come to do your will. It is not overcoming the flesh for that sake. Righteousness for righteousness sake. No. It is for the sake of doing your will. 
So you will see he arms himself with that mindset. He arms himself with that mindset. This is the mindset with which we have to know. Okay. So Jesus said, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, it's not prayer. I can teach you many prayers. The Bible is full of prayers. From the first prayer onwards, prayer, 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 prayer of Moses, prayer of Abraham, prayer of... So many people have prayed. He says, this is not the whole kind. You can have Hundreds of prayers, your own prayers. But that is not all. First you have the mindset of prayer. What is the mindset of prayer? Thy name be hallowed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. That is the mindset. If you don't have that mindset, it does not matter what prayer you pray. You will not continue. You need to have the mindset. What is the mindset? This is my mindset. My mindset is, your name should be hallowed. Your kingdom should come. Your will should be done. This is the mindset. You bring this mindset into any prayer. Any prayer becomes powerful. But they are looking for a mantra. Teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray because we are lazy. We fall asleep. We see you have gone. Then when we come, by the time we reach, you have finished praying. Then you come down and you preach and you, all these powerful things are happening. We know this is happening because you pray. And even when we do it, it is because you prayed and passed the anointing. We know it's your anointing. It is not ours. So teach us to pray. He says, I'll tell you how to pray. This is the way you need to pray. The thing is that you need to have a mindset of praying. This is the mindset. The Lord's Prayer is a mindset. And that's exactly he's talking about. If you want to overcome sin, you need to have the mindset of Jesus Christ. Why do you want to overcome sin? The answer is, I want to overcome sin because I want to do God's will. Let me ask me this question. Who is able to perform God's will better? A man who overcomes sin or man who is always succumbing to sin. Who will be able to do it better? Automatically the man who overcomes sin. Right? So that is the purpose. But in religion, that is not the purpose. You need to understand in no religion, that is the purpose. The purpose is something else. On the day of judgment, maybe it will go well with me. That is karma. To do God's will is not the purpose. Because nobody even knows what God's will is in any religion. You are assuming and presuming. So we need to understand what does it mean he has made us kings and priests. First you have to become, if you look, go to Revelation 1.6, look at the order. Look at the order over there. He has first made us kings. You cannot be a priest Unless you have been a king. Now how do, I, how do I prove this from the old covenant? You need to understand. Aaron is anointed and his sons are anointed. The Levitical priest. All this is happening, right? But who does it for them? Moses. Who is Moses? He is their king. How did he become the king? By first overcoming his own flesh. That's why God put him for 40 years in the wilderness so that he would learn to overcome. Because at 40 when he was called, he had no control over his anger. He had no control over his flesh. He had come from the flesh part of Egypt. He had no control. Full of pride, mighty in words, mighty in deeds, full of wisdom. If you have these three things, you're mighty in wisdom, mighty in words, mighty in deeds, what are you proud as a peacock and has no patience with anybody? So what does God do? 
put him in the desert as a servant to Jethro. For 40 years. By the time 40 years has come, he has been crushed in the wilderness. He is actually a king. Who is a king? A king over his own flesh. He has exercised dominion, willing to obey anything God says. If you do not exercise dominion over your flesh, you will not, even though if you have the desire, you will not be able to do everything God says. What did God say? Pick up the stick and go to Egypt and tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. Why is he able to do that? Because he has learned to exercise dominion over himself. I still remember my first pastor telling me, he told me, James, your obedience is not counted when God tells you what you like. Your obedience is counted as obedience when God tells you what you don't like, what you hate. That is the test of your obedience. My second pastor, when he prayed over me before I went into the underground church, said, you know where you are going. This is my counsel. Zeal and wisdom, both. Learn to balance both. Not just zeal alone, not wisdom alone. Zeal and wisdom. Understand, this is how it happens. God has made us kings. First you have to become a king. What is? What does a king do? He rules or he exercises dominion. And you and I need to realize is, to exercise dominion, you need to have a mindset. You need to have a mindset. I've told this story many times, right? Uh, is the sound coming? Yeah. yeah, okay, I can, okay. Dominion, okay? You have to exercise a mindset. Remember, this is a story told about King Philip of Macedonia. His son was Alexander, by the way, right? And the law is there. You know, even today, the law is there that you cannot touch a sovereign. You cannot touch a king. You cannot touch a sovereign. They can touch you. You cannot touch them. That's a law. Alexander was a boy. He doesn't like studying. He wants to play with all the village kids and everything. But the king has ordered that he should not be allowed to be outside the palace, the castle premises. But the problem is when he goes to the gates and the sentries try to stop him, he knows there is a law. They cannot touch him. So when he comes so close by, they move back and he goes and he plays with them and comes back in the evening. The father is frustrated. So one day he took the son and he took to the top of the castle and showed him the realm. He says, do you see this realm? From these people? He says, one day that's yours. You will be king and you will rule over them. Now if you do what you are doing, you will not be able to rule over them. So you decide what you want to be. From that time, nobody had to stop Alexander. He understood, this is my purpose. Purpose. This is my purpose. What is my purpose? My purpose is to rule over this realm. My father, my God is going to, on that day of judgment, is going to now give. And it doesn't matter. You will amass, It will be the most shocking day in the universe where you will see people we never gave them the time of the day. Like I say in Hyderabad language, MCH sweepers and housemaids and all standing up and being felicitated by God and says, take charge of ten cities, take charge of three countries. You know why? Because they did it. They did it. They were 
kings or other gender queens. They exercise dominion over what? Over self and over sin. Two, they exercised dominion over Satan. Exercise save. How do you know Jesus exercised dominion over Satan? Because his statement towards the end of his life is, the ruler, the entire world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Right? Jesus says, the ruler of this world has come. He found nothing in me. That means he was exercising dominion. The devil's greatest weapon is temptation. Lies, deception, temptation. And he exercised dominion over the devil every moment of his life. So he exercised dominion over sin. He exercised dominion over Satan. Third, he exercised dominion over the patterns of this world. This world has its own way of thinking. And Jesus' thinking was completely different. Completely different. That's why he was rejected. His thinking was, that's why he had to even explain the law to people. You have heard, but I tell you, this is what it means. That Pharisees will come, Sadducees will come, Judaizers will come, Herodians will come. They all have their patterns. How do you have this different school? Because even when they get the law, the law will be split into so, like denominations. Everybody has the same Bible, but so many denominations. Why? Each one has to go into one school of thought. But when it comes to Jesus, he didn't fall into any bracket because he would not allow either the flesh or the devil or the systems of the world to control his thinking. So he overcame. He exercised dominion over three things. He exercised all three things we are asked to exercise dominion over sin and self, over Satan and over the world. And the Bible promises us this. Anyone who is born of God has the power to overcome. You are not under the law. You are under grace. You are saved by grace. You have access to grace for mercy and grace and you can overcome. Okay? Born of God overcomes the world. Behold, I have given you power over all the power of the enemy. So God says, if you do not, no, if you do not, Overcome. So first, don't, it, this should run what he say, parallel. Parallel. Okay? Then you come to Hebrews chapter 7, 26 and 27. For such a high priest was fitting for us. Who is he? Who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. What did he do? Who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up. So what did this priest do? This priest offered himself up. We need to learn from Jesus. So if uh, it's not enough that I exercise dominion in these three areas as a king, I'm not just a king, I'm also a priest. So this is the first thing the priest did is that the high priest, he offered himself. So Paul will say, now in the light of all of God's mercies, what should you do? Offer yourself. The first thing the priest does, the high priest did was, he offered himself. 
Go to Hebrews 10 and verses 10 to 12. By that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So you will realize Jesus offered himself when he offered his body to his offered his blood. Two things. Body. Right? Second thing, blood. What does blood represent? It represents life. So God says, I demand two things from you on earth as my priest. I want your body. I want your life. It's voluntary. I want your body. I want your life. I want your body. I want your life. Okay, so he has shown us a pattern. We have to look at this pattern. See, like I said, that's why the Bible is constantly, and God used a man like Apostle Paul who understood this. And that's why most of scripture is written by him. Because one man, not the ones who were with him in the beginning, one man who came later understood the entire purpose of redemption. I do believe Hebrews also was written by him. He understood the purpose of redemption and gave over his body and his life for Christ. People will call him a fool, a loser. It does not matter. They are not the ones who are going to judge you and me. We are going to be judged by God one day in eternity. And then we know in this word, what is the criteria? The criteria is, yes, you were redeemed. You were washed clean by the blood of He loved us and cleansed us with His precious blood. So He redeemed me. He brought remission of my sins. I was reconciled to God. For what? So that I would be, we would be kings and priests of the Most High God. We would be kings. And how do we ex ex exercise dominion as kings? We saw that. How do we exercise our office or function as priests? First thing, offer yourselves. Then this is what he did. He offered himself. And how was he? He was holy. He was perfect. He was without blemish. Separate from sinners. If you look at that, the same call to us. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Come out from among them. What is light got to do with darkness? Satan got to Belial. You are the temple of God. There's a temple of idols. Come out and I shall be. So he was separate from sinners. Though he was in the middle of sinners, he was separate from sinners. Right? Like after you have finished cooking in a Teflon pot, all you need if you don't have water is use a tissue and do it. Nothing got stuck in it. Though everything was cooked in it, nothing got stuck in the dish. Why? Because there was a coating. He was in the middle of sinners, but separate from sinners. Not isolate. That's what we try to do. All religious people try to isolate themselves from sinners. No, you cannot. You are in the middle of sinners, but separate from sinners. You are sent into the world. Okay? He was separate from sinners. That's what the Bible says. He was he was among sinners, separate from sinners. And we need to realize we are also called the same way. Separate from sinners, holy, acceptable, separate, and sent into the world. And what is other? Our body is offered to God daily. Offer your body as a living, daily sacrifice. We are offering our life for God's 
service. Whichever way he chooses. Like Satan chooses his people, God also chooses. God said, this one I want you to be a pure. This one I want you to be an IAS officer. This one. Everyone does it willingly, happily. Their incentives have to be given. Here, no Lord, I have come to do your will. Doesn't matter to me. I have come to do your will. But if you look at the qualities for the pure or the prime minister in God's kingdom, the quality is the same. Because of whom you are serving. Not what you are doing. You need to look at whom. That's why go back to Revelation. That's why that's the verses are important. Because we are setting the, the, the introduction to the book. He has made us kings and priests full stop. No. To his God. That is what is important. Whose priest am I? On whose behalf am I exercising dominion? Whose exercise? So we will, we will automatically know that. Who's, who's this thing, no? Because when a righteous king comes into power, automatically he will start picking up righteous people from different, different places to come and to serve him. Let me tell you, let a righteous person, genuinely righteous person become the prime minister or president of any country. Immediately there is a change in the bureaucracy. If he's a corrupt person, he will bring the most corrupt people all around and put it around him. But if he's a righteous man, he will always pick up righteous people because his agenda is very clear. So think about it. God who is holy and righteous when eternity begins in Revelation 21 and we do not have no clue. We cannot even fathom Revelation 21, 22, which I believe is only a small picture if you understand how huge the universe is. We see one city which is the size of a city which is 1500 kilometers wide tall and it's a very small city compared to the universe. We don't know how big the universe is. So we have given a microsome of what eternity is like that. If he is the king of kings and the lord of lords, most holy God, righteous, what do you think his bureaucracy is going to be like? Technically speaking, looking at ourselves today, we are not even qualified to be a peon in that kingdom. Honestly. Okay. We, we cannot, I don't think we'll even get a, now let me tell you, the difference in applying for a job in Telangana and Kerala is different. Kerala, Kerala you go, nobody gives a no hood to anybody. Recent, you get into the bus, the conductor, uh, sir, what is your degree? He, every conductor will be PG plus. The driver is PG plus. There is nobody there, you meet anybody, everybody's got an MA, MSc, all that. People who have PhD apply for Pune's job in the government service. So nobody gives a hoot to anybody over there. So if that is the way in a government service, in this world, what do you think is the qualification in God's government? That is, we need to understand what God is talking about. Second thing, Hebrews 7 verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost who come to God through him, since he always loves to make intercession for them. The second thing the priest does, the high priest does, is what is he doing? He's always making intercession. So, what is our function as a priest? We are a praying people 
were a people who are always praying for others, interceding for others. Understand, what do priests do? One, they have offered their lives and their bodies as a living sacrifice. Second, they are praying people. Why? Because the high priest is praying. If the high priest is praying, what can the other priests do? They have to pray, right? They have to pray. So please understand this. Second thing of the priest, he intercede. Okay? He intercede. Three. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 15. And 16. Got it? 13, 15 and 16. Yeah. Therefore, by him, who is the high priest, let us continue Continually offer the sacrifice of what? Of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lives. Giving thanks to his name. Do not forget to do good and share. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So there is such list given. What do priests do? They offer praise. Now we don't have to light candles and agarbatis and do peace offerings. and But we are a people who praise God. We are a people who constantly thank God. And we are people who do good and share. And they are all not just do good and share, but do it sacrificially. Because if it doesn't cost you, it's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. Because in religion, when people do, it's never a sacrifice. It is not. It's a leftover. It's never a sacrifice. In the kingdom of God, it's never leftover. It's always a sacrifice. So your praise, sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving, and to share, to do good, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So the priest offers his body, his life, his forever part of the intercession, his interceding. Third, what does he do? He offers the sacrifice of praise, not just praise. Some praises are very easy. Wake up late, rushing to college. In the bus, there is 30 minutes. Okay, I shall praise God now in the bus. That's very easy. You wake up in the morning, early in the morning, and decide to praise and thank God. It is a sacrifice. With such sacrifices, God is pleased. When your back is broken and beaten, and your legs are tied up in the locks, stocks, in the midnight hour, to praise God with such sacrifice, God is pleased. It is pleased. Such sacrifice, God is pleased. That's what God is talking about. Giving thanks to his name. To do good and to share. To do good and to share. That's what Samuel will, sorry, David will say, you know, in 27, first, second Samuel? Not 22. Yeah, second Samuel. Got it? Yeah, come far. Yeah, no, I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. Nothing costs me nothing. So we need to ask, what did God pay? For my salvation. He paid through the blood and the life of his own son. At the end of the day, we keep accounts at the end of our life and say, What did it cost me to serve God? 
what did it cost me to serve God? Final verse for today, Second Timothy chapter four, verse six. I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He's talking about his life. He says, my entire life has been offered. Now it's coming. See, now this is, okay, this is a, this was a drink offering to myself. Okay, now it is coming to the last portion. When it began, it was full. By the end of the service, now the last portion is there. Okay, now. Finished. That's exactly what you say. It's last stages of my life. I got only a few days left. But my whole life was a drink offering. And I've come to the end. It's being poured out and the time of my departure is. My soul is getting ready to leave. My entire life was offered. So you know what? This is a man who's put a cross to us as an example of what it is to be a disciple of Christ who exercised dominion over these three realms. Flesh, Satan and the world. Second, he exercised life as a priest. He offered his body and his life for God, whole body and life for God. He was a man in, who continuously prayed, continuously pray, praying, praying, praying. He's a praying man. And third, he gave everything. Thanksgiving, praise, shared, did good. And therefore comes word seven. <laughs> what is word seven? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is a laid up for me. What is that? See, righteousness is the result of dominion. So he says, I'll get the crown. I know. In that, in that list which God will have, I'm absolutely sure I have the confirmation. You are one of them, Paul. You're one of them forever. What you see in Revelation 22, they shall see his face and serve him for, and they shall reign with him forever and ever. If there is one person, you can be sure. I mean, all the apostles are definitely there. He is there for sure. What is that? He has fulfilled God's purpose in his life. The purpose of redemption. That is God's desire because it's not a respect of person. He loves all his children the same way. This is God. It's like Pastor Vijay has three children. Oh, I only want Abigail and all the other. I don't care. No, like that. He wants all three too, right? That's the parents are like that. All three. Okay. So that's the way God is. He wants all his children. There is room enough on his table. <laughs> Plenty of room enough on his table. And when a few chairs were empty, he said, "Go and compel them to come." <laughs> So God is not a respecter of any persons. But this is the key. This is what it is. This is the prayer. See, if you don't understand this, the rest of the chapters, we will lose interest. Why am I pursuing all this? Why am I fighting this fight? What am I here for? Why can't I get just saved and be not? People always say, why do you have to be radical? Why can't you be normal? Why can't you be normal? Normal means by not going to be like the world. But you cannot be like the world because you will lose. You have to be radical for the king and the kingdom. Have to be radical. That's why God tells Samuel and King Saul, I have found a man after my own heart. He will be my king and he will do my all my will. He's a radical young boy. A radical young boy. 
Okay, he says that's the kind of people I am looking for. I'm looking for that kind of a people. So the same promise was given to Samuel, sorry, Saul. Same promise was given to David. Same promise was going given to Solomon. Same promise was given to Jeroboam. But technically, if you look, only one man fulfilled that promise because the throne of Jesus is called the throne of David, not the throne of Solomon. Why? Why is it not called the throne of Solomon? Because Jesus comes from Nathan and not Solomon. Solomon had a great throne when he was on earth. But Jesus does not sit on that throne. He sits on the throne of David because Jesus comes from Nathan. Right? He comes from Nathan. Nathan. Yeah, she's a seed of the world. That is where it happens. You need to understand. Why did it? Because all four kings were given the same promise. If you look, read, all were given the same. Saul was given your throne forever. David, son forever. Solomon, forever. Jeroboam, forever. But only one kept the promise. Why? And if you look at that's the man who we wouldn't give. But he fought and he won. Like yesterday's message. He was a man who fell, but he refused to quit. No, refuse to be. That's why we understand these principles. No, so when we see these short videos of athletes falling and then rising up and then racing and finishing first, we all get excited. Wow, wow, wow! Anybody know foot injury? Then comes in the second half and scores the goal. We get all these people who fell down. No, we like that. And that's David. If you look at the number of times he fell and in the areas he fell, you can't. There was no area left for him to fall. But he finished well. That is the key. He finished well. He finished well. The simple question is, why did he finish well? Mindset. Mindset. His mindset was always this. I want to do God's will in my life. I want to do God's will in my life. That's the mindset of Christ. This is what I said. Arm yourself with the same mind. I want to do God's will. That's where God, the minute you set your mind for God's will, all hell will break loose because the world will oppose it. The world will not want God's will done in your life. That's one thing. That's why Everybody opposed Jesus because Jesus came to do God's will. The minute you decide to do God's will, you will see things become difficult in your life. The reason is God's will is directly opposite to what the world wants from you. So get this picture so you need to have that mindset. But like I said, these things are... Let's have one more word over there. Second, second Corinthians. Now, First Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27. One word in that. Just one word. Okay? Get this picture. Do you not know that those who run in a race... So God put all his children into a race. Post-redemption, everybody in a race. But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, temperate means to exercise basically control. I told you a long time ago, this was a word which I did not know. But when I, my father, I thought all those days were tragedies for me, but didn't realize it was God's ordained. My dad brought me at the age of 12, put me in my hometown with my grandfather. I was the only kid who went to Protestant school. 
every year they had five days meeting in the school chapel, compulsory for all students, irrespective of your religion. And it was called temperance meetings. Temperance meetings. What is temperance meetings? I went and picked my grandfather's dictionary. What is temperance? How to exercise self-control in the things of life. How to walk righteously. How to walk. Temperance meeting. He should be temperate in what? All things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus. Not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Now look at verse 27. I discipline my body. That's the first thing. Okay, arm yourself and bring it into subjection, lest the work. When I have preached to others, I myself should become. So we will not be, we don't lose our salvation. We will be disqualified. Disqualified. You are not qualified to be in the uh, what we call in Britain, RMS, Royal, His, His, HMS, His Majesty's Service. Okay. So it's disqualified. You, you cannot be in my service. Okay. You, you'll be disqualified. You're disqualified. Not, he doesn't say that I will be thrown out of heaven. No, that's not talking about that. He says you will be disqualified. And that's a terrible thing. People who know, no, you write an entrance, the only entrance and the only thing possible and you lose, you will realize how terrible it is. How terrible it is. No, how terrible it is. Eternity to stand and realize, yes, my whole life on earth post redemption was a waste. I am saved, but disqualified. Disqualified. No, this is where temperance. 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 You have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. That's why Jesus said every careless word, our words, our actions, everything, attitudes, intentions, because it's the most rigorous test we are going to go through to get into that. One, see, now, we look at President Trump with 37 indictments, right? Against all that. Do you know the whole case hangs over words that were misspoken? That is his problem. If he hadn't spoken a few words, like one minute, two minute conversation, if it had not been recorded, most of the indictments would be thrown out. But that is the evidence. He said this. Do you realize a man can lose the next chance to become president and save a change country around, go into jail for 100 years because for two minutes, in that two minutes, there is one sentence he spoke and that's what is going to be highlighted in the court. But that is so on earth. What do you think? It is in heaven. That's why God says, come boldly. I want you to finish well. Ask mercy, ask mercy, mercy, clean. Let's clean the record off. I'll give you a fresh start today. Clean the record out. I want you to win. I am for you. I am not against you. Get the mindset clear. Confess the blood of Jesus. Cleanses you for all righteousness. Receive grace for what you need to function. And then run. Keep running. I want you to finish well. That is why Jesus said, 
Teach us to pray. He said, the first thing you need to understand when you pray is not this, oh, most powerful, holy, great. All that is true. No, don't that. Because you will not finish your race. Pray like this. Our Father, know who I am. I'm your Father, meaning I am for you. I have this deep desire for you to win. Because I'm a Father. The kingdom is mine. The power is mine. The glory is mine. Put it all at the last. But when you look at me, see, who am I? I'm your father. What do fathers want? They want their children to do well. I want their children to do well. Okay. That's how you look at it. Who is speaking to us? So the entire book of Proverbs is not Solomon to his son. It is God to his children. Son, listen. Son, listen to your father. Listen to your father's word. Listen, 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 listen. Okay, it's not a king talking to his subjects. It's a father speaking to his children so that we may not be disqualified. The opposite of that is we may become qualified. Qualified. You know, yes, no, Telangana got six rank and that is a SP from one of their Warangal or Nalgonda. Poor man with his pot belly. But his daughter is is very happy giving love to because she got rank, sixth rank or seventh rank. Because that is the the exam everybody wants to dream. They want to crack that, right? You know, so we get so excited few years back. Auto rickshaw driver's son from Mumbai cracked. He became an IAS officer. You think about it, right? We see these pictures, right? When these pictures always we associate like Siddhu, not Siddhu in Punjab, Siddhu in Karnataka, Sitaramaya, his short form they call him Siddhu. Sitaramaya is the CM of Karnataka. Is it a small post? It's a huge post. But what is he? He was a shepherd. That's a shepherd. Okay. But that of course is politics. Okay, politics has its own thing. But people cracking from such poor illiterate backgrounds, cracking IAS, IPS, we feel so good. No, wow, wow, wow. They encourage others. You know, somebody who comes from whose father is IAS, mother is IPS, grandfather and great all were there. And on top of that, he was IER or younger. He cracks IES. Nobody is bothered. If he doesn't crack it, it should be a miracle. Right? But somebody who has no background, he comes and cracks. We get so excited, right? So that's what the Bible says. He has not chosen the wise of this world. He has chosen the foolish of this world, the poor, the ignoble, you know, who nobody wants. He has chosen them to confound the wise. And I'm telling you, on that day, (laughs) it's going to be a leveler. What a day it is going to be when we will realize the people who came out. That's why we say in English, Moses came from the palace, so God made him a shepherd. David came from the was a shepherd. God took him to the palace because the man who came from the palace was not fit to be a shepherd. So he had to be put in the train forty years to be a shepherd. But the shepherd, God trained him at the age of thirty. He is king. Okay, so it is. It's God's mystery. That's why you should get encouraged. Encouraged by the gift of grace. There is always mercy. And there is always grace. So these two are connected. He cleansed us by his blood. He loved us 
and cleansed us by his precious blood and made us. These two goes together because you will always need the blood of Jesus till the last day of your life. If you are, if you are blessed, you will be fully conscious before you die. You know you are dying and your last confession will be, Lord, if there is still anything left, I don't remember, you remember. Please blot that also with your blood so that I enter there clean. I clean. Okay, look at that. To him who loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God, his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Let's have Peter and we shall pray. So don't get discouraged.
this church Yes, Lord Jesus be the center of this church Wherever we Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. As we read your word, Lord, the final book, we see, Lord, what you have done for us. Truly, Father, the word says, eyes haven't seen or ears heard what God is preparing for those who love him. These are all written to those who love you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We have mercy for our failings. We have grace to overcome. Everything is provided by you. All we are asked is to run this race and not grow weary. In well-doing, not to grow weary, because of the time taken. This morning, Father, I come into church. Our church here, all our churches, all the ministries, all the dear ones who are associated. Each one, Lord, is fighting the same battle. But you have positioned them in different places. Starting with Ace. Everyone, Lord. Ace and RG. Keith and MQ, Brad and Chirian, all the children, the young ones, the older ones, Sister Penny, Uncle Marshall, Brother Lynn, Alian and Sibi. Everyone is in this battle, Reverend Love, Judge Sharon. You know them all, Father. Father Paul, Pastor Sharon. Everyone is in this at different faces. They have been called to this battle. All has been called to run this race. And we shouldn't be disqualified. But many are not in that race. The confusion in the church is most do not know their purpose. Mm-hmm. Most do not know what they are called to do. Therefore, they cannot function as kings or as priests. But I pray, Father, there would be an awakening, a quickening in every man. 
that they would know he has made me a king and a priest unto his glory whose is dominion and power forever what do i have to reign over how do i have to function where am i placed but father i pray we will have that mindset first behold i have come to do your will not my will lord not what i want but what you want that's that mindset lord i pray in these days there will be many who will rise up with that mindset so that at the end of our life we can look back it be said about us he fulfilled god's will in his generation she fulfilled god's will in their generation then only the suffering would make sense the odds we faced would make sense because even people in the world suffer they too face face unsurmountable odds but that was for their will not your will touch your people lord touch your people today touch your people let there be repentance where we have truly failed you refuse to heed your warnings <coughs> take correction yet we have a high priest who sympathizes with us for he was tempted at all points yet did not sin therefore he says come boldly we come boldly today lord to the throne room of grace asking for mercy 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 lord mercy father we goofed up we sinned we didn't listen we disobeyed we fell short have mercy 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 now give us grace oh god we need grace to overcome without grace we will never overcome anything in life we come to the throne room of grace you said receive grace we need grace for today grace is not given for tomorrow it's given for today give us grace for today i don't know no one here knows what lies ahead today but if we have grace if we stand in grace we know we will overcome we will overcome give us grace father give us grace touch lord touch today touch today lord we exercise the authority that you have given us we bind every power of darkness that has been sent against us to oppose god's plans in god's people the demons that blind the demons that cause confusion the demons that cause distraction the demons that bring weakness and infirmity in bodies we bind every demon that has been released against your people in the name of jesus every sorcery every ritual every witchcraft that has been done every word every curse that has been spoken we bind it in the name of jesus we condemn it in the name of jesus these are the weapons the enemy forges in the fires of hell and releases on earth through mouths of men and women who have sold themselves over to do the will of the devil but your word says 
No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. We condemn it in the name of Jesus. We cast it down in the name of Jesus. And we speak that the blessings of God pronounced over us will come to pass. The blessings of Abraham will come to pass over his children. Therefore, we bless your people in your name. We bless our own children in your name. We bless our spiritual children in your name. Blessed to be a blessing. Blessed when they go out. Blessed when they come in. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the countryside. And we pray for hearing ears, believing and obeying heart, that they will hear your voice and we will keep your covenant. The only two conditions that we may hear your voice and obey your covenant. All these things shall overtake you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.